Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Holistic Integrative Practitioner, Kate Horseman, has an aura of warmth and inner beauty that orbits around her. The former professional ballet dancer works with a wide variety of private and corporate clients, supporting them on their healing journeys. She was born and raised in Vancouver and started dancing at the age of three. Both naturally gifted, coupled with a deep passion for ballet, she quickly excelled. By nine years old, she was already at the National Ballet of Canada. Kate then moved to New York after being accepted into the School of American Ballet, but her health deteriorated when she developed an eating disorder. Kate eventually left ballet, realizing it was no longer her happy place. This started a journey of coming back home to herself and moving into a calling to support others in their lives. In this conversation, we explore growing up in a household with two chronically ill parents, her experience in ballet and the difficult shift in identity when she left that world, taking her counseling degree and finding herself pulled toward nutrition and merging that with other energy modalities in her work, the concepts of achievement and perfection, what she tell people suffering from eating disorders quietly, learning to trust oneself and body, and much more. Please enjoy this deeply intimate and honest conversation with the incredibly beautiful soul and human, Kate Horseman. Kate Horseman, welcome to The Craft. Thank you for having me, May. I'm delighted you're here. I'm really, really glad delighted. To be here. Yes. I've always really loved running into you and your energy is just so peaceful and mm-hmm. gentle. It's like a very calming warm hug to mm. run across you. That feels really good to receive mm. and also like it is for me just like such a interesting contrast of like I think a lot of people would dis- I hope they would describe me that way or my energy that way. And, um, and at a lot of times that was in opposition to what I was feeling inside. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's just like an important, like, yeah, piece to note within myself is like, maybe I am a more integrated version of that piece Mm. at this point in my life. Than you even know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we were chatting about how we connected many moons ago and we think <laughs> it's it was through Azita Artakani when I used to work at Love Social. And our office was in Gastown, which is where you live. And you knew her. And I think somewhere along the way, we had run into each other as a small little group. And uh, through the years, we've had mutual friends and through our different, I guess, jobs, probably crossed yeah. paths that way. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's going to be really amazing getting to know you even more deeply. In this yeah. conversation, this it feels interesting to actually visit like a, a deep conversation now, as opposed to um, yeah, like being in each other's hemispheres, but not um, yeah directly. So. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, just a, f- a funny random thing that I, I saw when I was doing some research, I came across a, an article. I think it was Western Living, and it had images of your house, mm-hmm. and you had an ET. Oh, he's still Doll. there. Is he still he's there? He's still there. Oh my gosh. So growing up, I also had an E.T. stuffed animal no. that was on high on one of my bookshelves in my room. I was a child. I was terrified of it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it didn't really bring me comfort, though I loved the movie. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just thought it was it was interesting that we both had E.T. dolls. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, I have an interesting, I have a collection of them. Oh, I have really? a collection of E.T.'s. Yeah. And even though my home has been renovated. Um, E.T. very much still belongs in this space and Mm -hmm. I'm still exploring my relationship to it to be honest Um, it is a scary movie I think for children I actually Mm -hmm. recently introduced it to my niece and just walking her through like the really hard parts Mm. and um, and the magical parts like it it exposes us to both maybe that's another yeah Mm. there's every time I talk about it it opens something for me that I find really interesting Hmm. Um, was yeah. it like that when you were young as well no I don't think so I mean I've always gravitated towards like 
mystical, magical things, mm. you know, like that. I think that was a place for me to escape. So I think I think I did connect with something that felt kind of otherworldly that I didn't couldn't name. Mm. But it really wasn't until I was, I would say, yeah, in my 20s that I took on this interesting fascination with it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now I'd like to go revisit the movie mm. now that you've said that yeah. and see how I feel about it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Things to do this weekend. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so let's go back. Let's go to your childhood. You grew up in West Vancouver. Yeah. Tell me about your your family and growing up. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to um, where where do, where do we even start? Um, yeah, I always say that I mostly grew up in West Vancouver because I did eventually move around a little bit. Um, but my roots were planted there, and I was born there. And, um, yeah, I, I would say that I was always just like a really, really quiet child. I was quite introverted. Uh, now I'm questioning like how introverted I was or was I, you know, just like kind of afraid of my voice? Was there, you know, were there reasons why it felt hard to speak up? And I think maybe it's just the age that I'm at that you get so, so introspective sometimes. Mm. Um, but I think that translated into me being wanting to express myself creatively. And so dance was an outlet for me. And that's sort of where, um, yeah, like where a lot of my childhood time was spent. Um, lots of interesting things happening in the family and certainly, you know, um, like sort of points that that feel like roots or branches of the system were that, um, you know, my dad was quite ill, you know, when I was growing up, he was diagnosed with uh, a rare degenerative neurodegenerative disease. And um, my mom was also sick with um, something called cardiomyopathy. So a really um, significant heart disease. Um, Yeah, so there was a lot of things going on in the in the household. And um, yeah, it was just kind of this like play around, like navigating, navigating all things a little bit. I want to say too young, but maybe it's not too young. It's just, it's just what I was sort of initiated into yeah. uh, early on. Yeah, I was going to ask. In that environment, did you ever feel like you had to, you had to grow up really fast? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I think everyone said to me that I was an old soul from a very young age. And someone recently, um, it was Jeffrey March, um, or Marsh or March, incredible, incredible activist on Instagram, if anyone wants to look him up. Um, yeah, they speak really, really beautifully about some of some of our stuff growing up in, in, in interesting scenarios. And they said that um, sometimes the old souls... Um, yeah, like the, that it's more it's less about it being something like virtuous or um, something interesting about someone and more like the survival or coping mechanism. Mm. And I found that to be so true, so accurate. I was like, yeah, like I think there's something soulful about us all. And I think that for some of us, we're just like, yeah, just catapulted into something of needing to be that way. Right, and so that old soul thing just kind kind of changes the flavor a little bit. I've never heard that perspective. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Aside from their illnesses, mm-hmm. what were mom and dad like? So they're very, um, they're both very different. Um, and I'll speak to my dad in the present; he has passed. But um, mm. yeah, um, dad was quite um I would say quite strict in some ways but he also had this like wicked sense of humor he um yeah he he worked a lot so he wasn't present as much so I think I'm having a hard time even in explaining them this like version that I knew as a child and then like this integrated part which is like oh, I look back at my dad and I see like uh, the way that he was still like a little bit of a hurt child. Mm. 
and and didn't get to express himself the way that he likely would have been or the, the creativity. So he was all those things, but they didn't necessarily get to, they didn't get fullness, they didn't get space. And maybe that's a similarity. My mom was the same. My mom was very much the same. She was, um, was, is still like one of the most generous humans that I've ever known. Um, exceptionally caring probably to a fault right like there's like definitely this like way in which it was very easy for her to abandon herself and I think that that was like a way in which you know as a child that she could she could survive Mm. and so we had these like these dynamics that I think were probably kind of battling each other out in the household they're they're um yeah their marriage wasn't a happy one by any means um and and likely they both were not fulfilled in in their roles um and probably part of that is that I think those parts of themselves that didn't get the tenderness and love and care that they deserved as children were having it out in in the relationship or in the the family dynamic that was available to them now Mm. Mm. yeah Mm. so that's a very complex childhood to navigate mm-hmm. mm. yeah and and it's not to say that there wasn't isn't a lot of love there was what there was a lot of pain there was a lot of pain and I think that those moments yeah it, it was off the pain was often felt still in in in, in the loving moments mm. um I think of like where we were all happiest and that was when we went to Hawaii Mm. and that's probably why I still like feel one of the many reasons why Hawaii feels like a very good place to be Mm. (laughs) um but it was one of the places I think it was a good place for us all to be together right it's and it's such a like you said you know one of the many reasons that it's such a healing place when you step Ooh. step there there's just something else yeah just, geographically it like exactly. it holds something yes yeah. I feel the same way about Tofino and Hewlett like you step there and this is something else it's yeah I always say I think it's at a latitude and longitude where it's an ener- energy vortex of some sort there actually also is a triangle between um I, I think I'm referring to it as a triangle maybe it's not maybe it's a line but I did hear this um, around um, like the the cultural um, navigation of um, the indigenous peoples from like Polynesia to um, to Euclid, to Tofino, mm. right? So there there are people in Haida Gwaii that have close connection to um, ancestors in Hawaii. So there actually is like a lineage or a path. Wow! Um, I just which, got chills when you said right? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm no expert to speak on that, but. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've certainly read some things that mm. kind of relate to that magic. Oh, I love it. I yeah. Love it. And then you said um, you started dancing at a young age, three, mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Was it something that you loved as a child and asked to be put in? Yeah. So um, I don't remember asking. Yes. But I imagine that I did. Mm. Like that, um, there was still like room at that point for play. And I think... Um, I think it would have made a lot of sense that I went into dance. Um, And I think my mom loved that I went into dance. (laughs) She, you know, she couldn't deny that. Um, So, yeah, I I funneled a lot of energy there. And, like, I'd say both positive and negative energy. Like, it, Mm. you know, became a place to kind of transmute some, some stuff. Yes, movement is therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, not to jump ahead too much but one of the things that I've sort of been like re-understanding is that with um yeah with dance maybe it helped me a lot more than I realized because it gave me this like um the embodiment part that like I wasn't able to speak to Mm -hmm. um and so like I think it actually kept me safe in a lot of ways um even though yeah yeah Yeah. and I guess you you, f- you feel right when you, you dance and in a way it, it keeps you 
close to your body, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by nine, you went to the National Ballet School here in yeah. Canada. Yeah. Which is huge at such a young age. Yeah. I don't think that they take children so young anymore. I think it's mm-hmm. gone up a little bit because um, it's just quite a shock to the <laughs> to the person to, you know, just kind of go away from home so soon. Yes. Um, but yeah, I went to the National and I, re- I, I do remember very much wanting to audition and, um, and and get in and get accepted. And that was all exciting. And it was all exciting until I went there and I was like just terribly homesick and, and quiet and like weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so young. And yeah. I was saying to you the other day that I've, I've watched a number of documentaries and shows on ballet schools. And if art imitates life, then they're very intense and competitive spaces mm-hmm. to be growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They certainly, they certainly are. And I feel like I didn't really, I think I was just so burst into it that I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that was, (laughs) that there was anything different. Um, It was just like, yeah, you had to work, you had to work the hardest. You had to be the best. Yeah. That's the way it was. What did you feel like when you danced? Mm. I think I'd have to look at that through like I sort of seeing like a scan, like an MRI. I'd have to look at it through a scan from like when I was like nine. And then I'd have to look at a scan through when I was like 14 and then 18. They would all be so different. Mm. Um, I think what feels the most like consistent or if there was a thread is like it felt like truth. Like it, it felt it felt like truth in my body. Like there was some way even though I push myself, you know, questionably too, too much, or um, even though it was kind of this, yeah, these demands put upon it, there was like a truth to the way I danced. I was very, very emotive. Like people would always say that, like they were, they were really touched, like there was tears, or there was like a way that I could communicate something through dance. Mm. Um, So it was very emotional and was always very truthful. Um, and I think that that's, yeah, I think the other layers, I'm curious to ask myself what, mm-hmm. it, what all they, they felt like. Certainly at times joy, mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, yeah, like just those moments where you just nailed it. I mean, it's, uh, it's so, it's so beautiful and effortless to watch as someone who's watching a dancer or, or watching a, a show and, you know, then when you realize all of the hard work and, and pain that goes into it, you just, mm. you have so much more respect. You, you're athletes. Mm. You are true athletes. Mm-hmm. Dancers are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They really, they really, really are. And yeah, I hope, I hope that's changed. I, I don't feel like I'm involved too much with the narrative of dance anymore, but I hope that that has changed. We see, you know, individuals like Misty Copeland certainly changing. Yeah. Yeah. Just changing the way we look at some things and um it yeah. really does take 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 its toll mm-hmm. um yeah what an icon incredible. she is she is yeah. Yeah. yeah beautiful beautiful human um and so you traveled quite a bit so mm-hmm. vancouver to toronto yeah winnipeg and yeah. then and then new, new york. york yeah and so, i was back and forth between those because yeah. i would be homesick like you know yeah I'd be like no i'm gonna study here Was it ever this tension between being homesick, but simultaneously also wanting to like be away from home? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know that I would have known that then. But yeah, I think absolutely there was this like, oh, what else exists? And in like so many ways, like what else exists beyond Vancouver? What exists beyond the studio? What exists beyond home? What, you know, what are other people doing? Um, But then also not having like this. I don't know, this internal security or safety to like, to land in those places where I'm like, oh, it feels okay to be homesick, mm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then your chapter at, at uh, in in New York, mm-hmm. um, you were, were you around 12 when you landed No, there, I was around 14 was okay. the first time I went for the summer to American Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you, being in New York? Oh, it was the, it, well... I was going to say it was the best. <laughs> I would cut myself <laughs> off there. Um, 
like there was a version in my head that was the best. It was like, this is amazing. I am here. Mm. And that felt really good. It felt really good to be like, I've worked this hard. I am pushing boundaries. Uh, Because at that time, like especially in the studios that, yeah, were around here, like no one went to New York. You stayed in Canada. Um, And I was like, no way. No way, man. I'm going (laughs) to do something different. So it felt really cool. I love New York. There's something about the energy right away that uh, it just it felt it felt really good. At the same time, I really didn't get to experience New York because mm. I was just training. Right. Yep. So, you know, you get to the studio, sweaty, stinky old studio, and um, and you were there for the rest of the day and, and until bedtime, right? So, mm. um, yeah, exciting, interesting, and... Yeah. Yeah. And this was, you know, this was a couple of years, but you were saying that at the age of 12 was when you, you first developed an, an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, around the age of 12, it certainly started to take hold. Like it moved sort of from this place of like, what I would say, like more disordered, like, you know, kind of dabbling into like weird relationship with my body and weird relationship with food to something that was, became much more functional. Like, uh, this actually helps serve a purpose, which ultimately I think a lot of our, you know, addictions and um, behaviors do is, you know, even if they're really destructive, they're they're helping us with something. Mm. And uh, it gave me a lot of control. It gave me a lot of control in like a world and an upbringing, um, you know, being, you know, the other thing being in dance is, especially if you're not really going to school, is you're just around adults. So again, like that old, old soul thing is like, it's so filtered, like there's so many layers to it that, um, yeah, I was now living in a kind of adult world and, um, and yeah, food became like a really easy place to control, um, control my life. Mm. And tell me about the moment where you realized that dance wasn't your happy place anymore Mm -hmm. and surrendering to that. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like a more of a forced surrender, to be honest. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Surrender is surrender. I don't know, as I say it. Um, But I think it was, there was just like such a pivotal moment of like, um, I I decide to choose, unfortunately, my poor health, uh, my declining health, my eating disorder over my art. And I think that just kind of indicates like how how much in the depths I was that like that actually felt like the best choice. Yes, dance was not a happy place for me at that point. It was there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of expectations. Um but I certainly couldn't say that like the other thing was making me any happier, mm-hmm. right? But it, it created this way out, it created this pathway out for me. And um, yeah, I, I feel like there's so many layers to my relationship with dance that I'm still like being 40 years old, like still just trying to like figure out. It's like, no, I definitely wouldn't have been happy staying in that career. I know that, I know that wouldn't have been fulfilling and I'm so curious, like, how I could have supported myself or how I could have been supported to, to get to that place in a more, yeah, with, like, just a little bit more compassion. Mm. Yeah. Do you still dance? I don't, but I'm actually thinking of getting back into it. Mm. Yeah. I um, Yeah, I really just stepped away from, like, I had this aversion. It became really convenient for me to, like, <laughs> blame dance. Yeah. And and also just kind of painful to to watch it and see myself in those moments, but not being there. Mm. And so I just distanced myself entirely. And yeah, just again, exploring this this piece around like maybe dance actually gave me like this this outlet and this gift because there was a, a certain part I worked so hard for and a certain part was gift. I had mm. a gift. And so to feel like I'm not actually doing something with that gift, even if it's just like, I don't know, released in some of my shit from the week, right. then like I I think there's something there. Mm. 
And so, yeah, I've been thinking about like, how do I, how do we move back into that? Like, what does, what does that look like? What do I need to navigate to allow myself the space to, yeah, move a bit again? Mm. Is it really calling you or is it kind of just a little inkling of maybe? Uh, I think it's really calling me, but what's less certain is like, is, is the how. Mm. Yeah. And I think it'll be like in a very, I don't think it's anything major, you know, like I don't foresee myself training um, per se, but yeah, maybe it just means me renting a studio and letting my body move. Mm. It feels so good. When I was taking my sound therapy certification, we had um, a, a voicing teacher, mm. and uh, and it's it's something that I've I've said on the podcast before, but I'll, I'll quickly repeat it. Um, she made us sing a, she made us all sing a lullaby, ah. and to take note of our voice, mm. and then um, she turned on a beautiful piece of world music, and she got us all to move and dance but she said don't dance like you're at the club dance like you're a rubber band just the way that your body wants to move mm-hmm. and so we all did for about 20 minutes and then uh, when the uh, when this portion was over she had to sing the lullaby again and to take note of how much more our chest had opened and yeah. how much stronger we we felt and I loved it so much that now in the morning I'll always throw on some kind of music, whatever I feel like, a favorite song, maybe something more that's shamanic and tribal, and I will dance for five minutes in the way that my body just wants to. And it's made me feel much more balanced in my masculine and feminine energies because I think I was very imbalanced prior, more masculine than feminine. Mm -hmm. That's that's (laughs) like me. That's like me. That's been something I've been... I've been negotiating. But yeah, it's like it gives, I think it gives you that space. Yes. It gives you that space. And whether that's, as we have kind of talked about a little bit before, but like, yeah, maybe that's singing. Maybe that's um, breath. Maybe maybe that's dancing. Um, just building our capacity to like actually, yeah, settle into it. Yeah. To drop the performance. Mm, to drop the performance. Tell me about the next chapter after after mm. dance when that that was over and yeah. you pivoted to other things and I'm sure there there had there was a bit of an identity oh, crisis yeah. as you moved out of that, um, but yeah, you eventually went to school to become a counselor. Yeah. There was a portion in there where you were a stylist. I'd yeah. love to know how this journey came to be mm. into this next yeah. stage. Very mushy, very like like a, like a stew, like a soup. Like if I think of the next parts that happened. Like I wonder how I wonder how the chapters go, <laughs> like how that would actually translate. Mm. Um, but it would be that I spent a lot of time um, in a process of rejecting recovery, and um, yeah, rejecting recovery for a very long time, and then deciding I was going to give my give myself a chance because. I didn't really have any other any other options at that point. Um, and so that was like, yeah, like a messy, unclear, um, hard to remember at times period of my life. Um, but it also was a, yeah, obviously a place for me to land from being like this, um, not a dancer anymore. I was like, I'll be the, I'm going to be the sick person. I'll be the sick person. And so that was like an interesting identity to 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 claim for myself. Um, but it worked, you know, that worked for a period of time. Um, and I think that was the catalyst like that the ne- of the next chapter, which is like if I can get better, I feel like anyone can get better. And I know that that I always temper that right now with like maybe that isn't maybe that isn't true. Like maybe maybe that's not fair to say. But I think that like the intention behind it is that, you know, being being in some very low places um, and knowing that like there could be like a rise out is like the possibility that others can find a rise out to. And um, and so that's what brought me into studying counseling. And um, that was interesting and also allowed me to understand some of my own healing because I'd been in in and out of therapy for 
you know, already <laughs> by that point, 10 years. Um, yeah, so to see it from like a different lens and ask, ask some of those questions was, was cool. And, um, and also when I finished, I was like, nope, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. I actually want to have fun. I want to be a kid-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to ex- explore being a little bit more free and reckless. And those didn't add up with uh, being a counselor. So <laughs> maybe they do. I don't know. Um, maybe that's what we need to renavigate is like, oh, we can actually be wild and reckless yes. too and yeah. still help people um, in in reasonable ways. Um, <laughs> as long as you're not hurting anyone as long intentionally. As not, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, I was just like, no, that's I, I can't integrate that at this point. So I'm not going to do that. Um, and then I, I did get into styling for a while. Um, I had this brief period of time where when I moved from dance, again, like having identity crisis. Um, and also I'm, also, I'm someone that uh, continually wants to try new things. So like a pattern in my life is that I am like, oh, what next? What mm. next? But um, I did, um, I modeled for a little bit. Um, and I was like, don't like that. Um, I do like this. I really enjoy being able to express and create and beautiful things is, is a way I think we need, we need beauty in our world. And, um, so using clothes was an interesting way to do that. And so I did that for a bit. Yeah. You took the question out of my mouth. I was going to say, like, as you made the shift from dance, Uh you spent so many years expressing through movement. Mm -hmm. And so now through clothing, I always see clothing as in fashion, as in style, as an expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. So you just, you almost just shifted it to yeah. a, just a different medium. Yeah. I mean, the things that I shifted into that were not creative did not ever mm. take traction. Mm. Um, I think it was like the only way that I knew how to, yeah, express myself. So yeah, fashion was like an easy conduit for that. Yeah. Um, and you enjoyed it for a time. Yeah, for a time. I didn't take it seriously, though. Mm. And maybe that's like, I didn't, I, I didn't care enough about it. Like, I cared enough about it for myself. Like, I always thought that was interesting. Um, but I just didn't, yeah. It, there wasn't this, like, um, this drive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The fire wasn't there for nope. it. No. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. And then you found yourself into nutrition organically yeah. too. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, obviously, we probably can put two to two, two and two together mm-hmm. with um, with an eating disorder. That that would be a pivotal part of of recovery. But I was just curious about doing things really differently. So, um, yeah, it felt very important to. Yeah, understand food from a different level because I've just really never been friends with it. I mean, even as a child, like I loved food, like I I loved the taste of it, but I didn't I didn't really understand what it was for. I didn't I didn't really eat vegetables growing up. Like there weren't, you know, the things that like yeah, there was nothing really wholesome that I felt like I could connect to with food. So, um I felt like studying nutrition would allow me the conduit to talk with people that were struggling with their relationship to food and body in a way that allowed them also to be heard through what's going on in their minds and their spirits and their souls. Um, That like the nutrition lens wasn't just going to be one dimensional, which is what I definitely experienced in, in treatment in recovery was that it was like, no, this is like, the, the boxes that this fits into and um yeah it, it serves a purpose yeah the um, word that comes to mind is nourishing like how yeah. is it nourishing not only your body but yeah like all of the all of the all pieces. of it yeah. all of you yeah mm. and we leave that out of the conversation and so that like you can hear the difference between when I was talking about fashion to the, like that excites me like that excites me how can we actually look at it through through different lenses that um, allow a holistic human to be, you know, yeah, to be helped. And, and so I really did think it was going to be just like a very, um, I thought it was going to be just that, but, but, but as, as I started taking clients and as I started integrating 
the things that I pushed away in the past, like, you know, studying to be a counselor, they started to infiltrate everything mm-hmm. that was coming out because it was just like, how can we talk about food? We can't talk about your anxiety. Or how do they go together? How do they go? And they, and they very much do, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, basically my work has just evolved into this, like, kind of integrated, like, this weaving where a lot of not only the stories and experiences in my life support, but then, like, these different modalities that actually all belong together, which is yes. why the word holistic is just so important because it's, it's that. It's the whole. Yeah, and you you have so many different things that you pull from because I, I think you are a breathwork facilitator yeah. as well, and then there's some energy medicine. Mm-hmm. And so your approach really is this encompassing circle. I hope it to be. I hope mm. it to be. It's um, at least leaving the possibility that if that is what someone wants, and they don't always want that, but if that's what some, someone wants, that we can we can do that. Yeah. Um, because I think I think so many people get left out of this medical model um, of our care, our Western medical model, and um, I think I think we just yeah we can we can think a little bit differently and get more creative. I had to get creative about my healing, and I'm you know. Um, a small white woman. So if I needed to get creative, like, you know, got to, got to look at everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, I feel similar about my approach even with, with sound and you know that, yes, there is the, the sound part, but you know, I do integrate, um, like emotions. Like what are, what's the root of like what you're what you're going through right now and that often will manifest in a physical chronic illness so let's get down to that um, and so me understanding that and then also pulling from traditional Chinese medicine at least the sound part of it so qigong sounds to help the person balance their body and again I feel like it's I like I really do love that more integrated approach to to sound because everything's connected right and so it's not one solid thing or the other I love look at that. everything. And I mean, I think our, our emotions, honestly, are one of the most crucial parts of of our healing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a basis of most of my work is like just getting people into um, proximity of being okay with their emotions, yeah. being okay with what comes up or understanding why certain ones come up or how we how we can be with this, how it feels in our body. Right? We're very quick to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm angry or I'm sad. But it's like, oh, like what does that, what does sad feel like in your body right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Like where is it? Right. Right. Like this embodied version of of understanding our emotions is, mm, mm, it's like pivotal, pivotal. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm curious to know, especially now, um, and if you are, are allowed to say in just general takeaways, um, what you see your clients going through from an emotional standpoint are there any themes or mm-hmm. general takeaways that people are going through this right now yeah um i mean the common word that comes up is discomfort and i think i think a lot of people are experiencing that i think maybe in mm, i'm gonna name a few things that just like yeah just feel important is a sense of belonging mm. I think people feel a lack of sense of belonging right now. Um, To others or to themselves? Both. Mm. Yeah, both. Mm. And because of that, there's like despair, like there's a a great sadness or there's a great anxiety. Yeah, and both both are hard places to be in. yeah, I was going to say grief, too. I think there's a lot of grief right now, um, collectively, individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are like, <laughs> you know, I'm naming these. These are hard, the hardest emotions to be with. Yeah. We don't want to be with our sadness. We don't want to be with grief. We don't want to be with anxiety. We want to run from it. We want to, like, just turn the F around and look at something that's easier to look at, like our phones mm-hmm. or you know, behaviors, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to move through it though, mm-hmm. right? It's the only way. Yeah. As far, far, far as I've figured out. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to ask about um, the idea of 
achievement and perfection. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is just an assumption, but, you know, having grown up doing what you were doing with the, the dancing, I, I, I'm assuming that there is a lot of that, like achievement and perfection, not just for you, but probably amongst your, your dancer colleagues back then. Um, how have you reconciled with that mm. now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that probably up until my 20s, perfectionism was something that was very much a driver. And I don't identify with it much anymore. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't – there's something about it that still threatens and scares me. I think what comes up is that if I'm not perfect um, – then I have to deal with the fact that someone won't be pleased. Mm. And people pleasing is like, yeah, like primary like go-to <laughs> is people pleasing, trauma response, fawn, deer in the headlights. That's me. Mm. Um, so I think that that's like, that's where I'm, I'm still negotiating is, is, is that, is the people pleasing aspect of it. I don't necessarily have the same expectations. Um, the expectations for myself are very different. I want to be, um, like I want people to to know that I'm a kind person or to feel kindness around me. I want them to feel loved around me. I want them to feel safe around me. I want them to feel like they're the most important person when I'm talking to them. You know, those are like the expectations that I have for myself. And and maybe I have to examine those too. Like maybe that is, maybe I can't be all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good conversation we're having here, May. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of pressure on oneself. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So maybe it's just that the pressure is, has, has shifted gears. And yeah, I think I need to sit with that one a little bit more. Mm. It's like I've healed parts of it. Yeah. And then there's still parts where it's like. No, lady, just listen to yourself. Yes, Those are the journey. Huh. Those are big expectations you mm. just named. <laughs> what have you learned most about yourself in the last 18 months? Mm. My capacity to feel is huge, and I can feel safe with it for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, I've just gone through so many layers of my life of of slowly dethawing, defrosting. And like there's lots of edges to me and I'm okay with those edges. But the one edge I'm not okay with like upholding is that, um, yeah, like my feelings, I don't need to hold my feelings in and um, I can, I can, I can let them be expressed and they're not going to kill me. Mm. They're not going to, they will bring me to my knees they have many times this year. I've never felt more in my life. And I'm so much better for it. Mm. Oh, I feel you on that one really deeply. I yeah. felt that one right in my chest. Mm. Yeah, feeling more than ever. Isn't it yeah. interesting? Yeah. Expressing more than ever, yeah. too. Expressing exactly how I'm feeling. Expressing boundaries yeah. more than oh, ever. God. Wow. That's I've, the hardest one. It's so hard, but... Um, necessary and and also when you do you just feel this great sense of wow I just really honored myself mm-hmm. by saying that no matter how hard that was mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think um yeah with boundaries like the thing that I'm always navigating is that we have a feeling after we've set them and it's usually like a lousy feeling and it's like how can I be with this lousy feeling and also know that like that's not as as, as important as <laughs> the, yes. the boundary just, yeah, said. just taking care of oneself yeah. right yeah it's, yeah. Oh, it's practice mm. yeah do you have any kind of ritual or ceremony that um helps you come back to yourself mm. if you're ever feeling disassociated or disconnected from your being yeah i mean ritual and ceremony are like favorite words so yes i feel like i try and engage daily in ritual and ceremony through um be it my meditations or doing my own breath work, doing it for myself. Um, yeah, and then and then there's times where I involve myself in something that's that's far greater mm-hmm. and involves music and it involves beats and drums and my ability to 
breathe into a really creative world and like a very alternative place yeah. for me that I don't often name. Mm. Um, and that's probably some of where like I express that 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 movement place. That's maybe where I where I get it back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I want my life to be. I want my life to be a ceremony. I want my life to be a ritual, and I don't know how to quite to get there yet. And I know it's in very small and practical ways, but but it's always on the on my mind. Mm. Or and like, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say even just like even just walking my dog. Yeah, you know, even just how is that? How is that a ritual? How is that a ceremony? How is it that like being with the trees and and thanking the earth and thanking the birds and yeah it's yeah yeah these little things that are just yours that you do to yeah. to help your yourself come come home it's so nice to have those mm -hmm. yeah have you really learned to trust yourself to trust your mm. body to mm. trust your intuition to trust your soul mm, yeah i would say um for the most part there's room for error. There's mm -hmm. room for error where those default parts of me, especially if I'm, you know, navigating anxiety or stressful periods where, yeah, there's going to be parts of myself that come online that say, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Um, don't do that. It's best to do this thing, you know, mm -hmm. like over override the system. But, yeah, I think that I'm mostly coding my body now for self-trust. Yes. Intuition is like, yeah, it's it, it, it. I just feel like and maybe you resonate with this it's just a continuing practice of deepening so I'm curious what more I'm certainly like in in, in with it mm -hmm. but I think that there's 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 a deepening right yes yeah. yes for sure for sure I just have a couple more questions for please you. Um, my first one is um, for for, uh, for others out there who may be suffering um, in shame or silence mm -hmm. um, with an eating disorder, mm -hmm. what supportive words would you give them right now? Mm -hmm. mm, I feel like I'll say this with a disclaimer, but I, all the all that comes to mind is you are worthy. Mm -hmm. You are worthy. The, the disclaimer is is that it can be really hard to hear that mm -hmm. when you're in your shame and when you're in your pain. Sometimes I'm I am worthy. Ooh, it just makes me emotional. Sometimes hearing I am worthy just doesn't feel acceptable. Mm. And so if that's you, then I want to know, I want you to know that that's okay too. That we can know that you are worthy and we can hope and try and support you in finding that worthiness for yourself. Mm. Oh, I got teary just listening to you say that. Mm. If you are going to impart words of love to younger Kate, you know, just as you were getting into dance, what would you tell her about life to this point um, and what it has shown you about who you are? I'm going to reintegrate that question. Can you say it again so mm -hmm. I can really? Yes. Yeah. If you were going to impart words of love on your younger self, you know, when you were getting into dance or even past that, what would you tell yourself? about what life has shown you up to this point, about who you are? That's a hard one. What would I say? Mm. You've stumped me. Mm. You've stumped me. I feel like, what would I say? I would say, I think there's a part of me that would say, go easy, go easy on yourself. Go easy on yourself because there's a lot going to be a lot of surprises. There's going to be a lot of pain, and so like especially thinking of her back then, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. babe, have fun where you can, where you can, um, have fun, laugh more, because mm -hmm. um, yeah, that didn't feel necessarily like like all that I could access. So I think I think that's what I would tell her, and I think I'm still telling myself that. I'm still telling myself like. Let it be easy. Let it be easy. Have fun. Play. Um, I think we all need that reminder. Because mm -hmm. the rest of it is hard. And yeah. that's okay. 
but we can contrast it. Yes, to balance it. Mm-hmm. Mm. My final question that I ask everyone, with what it is that you do, what do you want to leave behind in the world? Well, I think I've thought about this before. I've heard the question. <laughs> but mm, I think it comes back to, like, there was this question that is asked, and I think Deepak Chopra asked it at some point, which is, like, to describe yourself in, like, things that don't contain your title, who you're married to, how many kids you have. And, like, anytime I've asked that question of myself, there's, like, some threads that come up, which is that um, I want to inspire I am a teacher, um, I'm an artist, and and so when you said that, it kind of made me think of those things and what those things carry with them, and I think, I think I'd want, yeah, it's, I'm trying not to formulate it too much because it's... <laughs> It's just something from the heart. Like, if you like, what what do I need to set free there? Just that there's possibility. There's hope. Mm. There's hope, and um, and that hopefully the people that I touched felt inspired, or felt supported, or felt in the presence of something beautiful and creative. Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm. You know, something that you had said earlier about, and this is taking it back to the dancing, where it was this, you worked hard, mm-hmm. um, but you also, you knew you had a gift. And you truly do. You were talking about presence, and I think your presence is is a gift. Mm-hmm. I can feel it just being in this room with you, how just authentically truthful you mm-hmm. are about who you are and I don't come across that much, so that is a gift. Thank you, May. Thank you for being here. I hope to have many more conversations with you like this. Yeah, me too. Thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.